0: I'm not turned on. I am now. So, Well, it's good to see everybody. So I want to talk about Thanksgiving. The most memorable and probably the last real family Thanksgiving I had was when I was in college. And... Uh, it was the first year my sister took on the cooking duties. Now, my family, my mother had uh, MS, multiple sclerosis, and so uh, she she just really wasn't capable. So when I was in college, uh, I think it was my junior year, and uh, my sister was a senior in high school. And so she, she decided... Uh, she would do My sister decided she would do Thanksgiving And uh, she had her boyfriend Who would soon to be husband First husband And uh, so First thing my sister did Is she made a turducken Do you remember that? That great stuff So it's uh It's a quail inside of a duck Inside of a turkey So you get white meat, dark meat, white meat And, uh, I wish I had a picture of this thing, you know, phones weren't a thing back then, but, uh, it, it, I don't think the duck and the quail agreed to this. Um, and they certainly didn't go willingly, right? (laughs) It was, it was a horrendous explosion of meat parts and it just, it was terrible. Uh, and you know, the quail wasn't cooked. It was, it was just terrible. And then. I remember my sister made the cranberries, and she put cloves in them, and uh, it was gross. And my dad, being my dad's, assured me that it was actually his future son-in-law that had put marijuana in the uh – so, you know, this is the way that the family meal is going, right? It's just – it's a disaster. And then – the. Top it all off, my sister had completely lost her mind at this stage in life, and she uh, she was a witch. And by that I mean uh, she was a Wiccan. I mean, she was a witch on a normal day, but uh, she she was an official witch. So she decided to give the Thanksgiving prayer. Oh my gosh. So uh, I always wanted to turn this story into uh, what was it? uh, Chevy Chase's National Lampoon. I mean, my, my family could have could have done it. So as crazy and bizarre as all it is, imagine that you're trying to understand Thanksgiving based on what I just described. Right? In order to have Thanksgiving, you need a turducken. You need marijuana in the cranberries and you need a witch. <laughs> right? That's, that, that, that's Thanksgiving, right? And yet, we do the same thing when it comes to communion. We don't generally get the context of which it happened, and so we take what was unusual and strange And make it the normative. Imagine I'm going to celebrate Thanksgiving with you. And so I'm going to give you a little square of turkey. And we're going to drink cranberry juice. And it's all very ritualized. I, the pastor, will consecrate the turkey, and behold, the cranberry juice is good for your kidneys. I mean, uh, I I really want Scripture to challenge us today that a lot of what we do in in communion, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, whatever we want to call it, is really kind of based on a lot of ignorance um, that we didn't we're the adopted kid, right? we don't get the story of where all this came from, what God was trying to do with it, so I want to be very very clear, my goal is never ever to make us Jewish we're not Jewish uh, we, we, we're not meant to be there's none of that but we shouldn't be dumb Christians that just kind of make it up, turn it into rituals. Literally, for almost a thousand years now, Christians have argued, is it really the body and blood of Jesus Christ? Is it, you know, transubstantiation? Is it, oh, magic, and it turns into the blood of Jesus? Do you know what Jesus and the disciples would have said to that comment? Are you eating the cranberries? Because you're nuts. Nobody's drinking blood. Nobody's eating a body. It's not magic. It's a very ancient festival that God created to prepare us for the sacrifice of the Lamb. So I know uh, Pastor C probably went through some of this with you, but let me do a uh, quick review. Exodus chapter 12. This is way, way, way back in the time of Moses when Passover is instituted. And God's laying out his uh, plan for this this festival for Passover, and then we'll see where it really leads to what we're talking about in Mark. So Exodus, chapter 12, verse 1. When the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. Announce to the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for sacrifice, one animal from each household. If a family is too small to eat a whole animal, then let them share with another family in the neighborhood. So first thing to notice, really, really significant. Where does this happen? In the home. This is in stark contrast to most of the sacrifices that take place at the temple, where the priests are presiding and it is formalized. This is the responsibility of every family, every household. The dad, the granddad, the head of the house is the one responsible. So what's the first thing we do with communion? We put it in the church, right? And who's in charge of it? Yep, I mean, in some Christian traditions, this is the power of the priest. I have the magic that I can make. If I don't decide to give the magic to you, you don't get communion. What? It, it, you see what I mean? That it, we're we're traducan territory here. Um, this is where God said every family, no matter where you are you need to do this. You need to do this with your family. Uh, They'll say it twice, and and we sort of ran over it here, Uh, but God said this is an eternal command. So it does not end. Uh, When God says eternity, he doesn't mean it, right? No, of course he does. He's not kidding. When he says this is permanent. So... Uh, everybody's supposed to get a, a lamb. You There's no excuses. If you can't afford the white meat, right, you get the barbacoa, uh, you, you get the goat. Uh, the animal you must select must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat with no defects. So uh, no clearance shopping, no defect, right? Right. Um, Take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day of the first month. Then the whole assembly of Israel must slaughter the lamb or young goat at twilight. They are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides of the door, on the sides and the top of the door frames for the house where they will eat the animal. That same night, they must roast the meat over a fire and eat it along with bitter salad greens and bread made without yeast. Do not eat any of the raw eat meat raw or boiled in water. The whole animal, including the head, legs, and internal organs must be roasted over fire. Do not leave any of it until the next morning. Burn whatever is not eaten. These are your instructions for eating the meal. Be fully dressed. Wear your sandals. Carry your walking stick in your hands. Eat the meal with urgency, for this is the Lord's Passover. On the night I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down the firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign, marking the house where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. This is a day to remember. Each year, from generation to generation, you must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. This is a law for all time. So, Uh, Well, we'll stop there. That's that's the context for what we're we're talking about in Mark. So we, of course, what are the two elements that we think of in communion? Yeah, and what's the focus in Exodus? What the lamb. In a sense, I think it would have been very obvious to the disciples uh, what Jesus was talking about. He is the Passover Lamb. In Revelation, <laughs> despite what you often see in memes and stuff, what is the most common depiction of Jesus?
1: Hmm?
0: Not at all. There's no description of Jesus on the cross in Revelation at all. A lamb. He's sort of mentioned one time as a lion, and then the lion fades away, and it becomes a lamb. But you watch a lot of Christian stuff, and it's always the Lion of Judah. Here he comes. Like, uh, you know, you don't get it. So just like the turducken and the the cranberries we pick up on the wine and the bread which are important they were part of the passover the lion king oh yeah it's it's a good movie although i wouldn't hold my son up over a cliff right it's uh, probably get a visit from uh, Child protective services, but so how do we how do, how do we deal with all this? I mean, our tradition is what it is, and uh, i 'm not advocating changing anything, but i 'm advocating that as disciples, we grow and we understand, and we 're able to put this into context it 's it's this real understanding that the only thing that saves us is the blood of the Lamb. And so for thousands of years, God had sort of a pre-plan set up so that when Jesus had this meal, they would understand. He is the perfect, uh, flawless Lamb that's being sacrificed his blood and again we usually don't get the connection here what does blood mean in hebrew life it's your soul that's another way that they say soul. Uh, when they say, where is the soul in your body? You know, we as Christians get a little mastic, a little pagan. Well, there's this ghostly form that looks just like me and floats out of my body. You know, actually, where that comes from? Cartoons. <laughs> you know, that's like Tom and Jerry. Um, a Hebrew would say, I-, I know exactly where my soul is. I feel it. There's movement. Just like living water is the spirit moving in water. When I have a pulse, when there's bump, bump, bump in me, that's the spirit moving within me. Blood is the vessel of the soul. That's why when you, for life at least, you cut an animal's throat before you eat it. You let the life flow out of it. So, again, context, we, we get a little weird that, hey, we're, we're gonna drink the blood, we're vampires. No. God is giving his soul for the sake of our soul to, to save us. We do have the three parts, the lamb, the blood, and the body. But the focal point is the lamb, trying to cover the door if you will for who did Steve talk about this last week who who is really the focal point of, First of all, you... yeah but let's yeah. but but who who specifically that that night say that again yeah. Yeah. In, in Mark, yeah. I, I probably should take us there. Um, let's look at Mark 14, 17. Mark 14, 17. In the evening, Jesus arrived with the twelve. <laughs> I'm not turned on. I am now, so... Well, it's good to see everybody. So I want to talk about Thanksgiving. The most memorable and probably the last real family Thanksgiving I had was when I was in college. And uh, it was the first year my sister took on the cooking duties now, in my family my mother had uh, ms multiple sclerosis and so uh she she just really wasn't capable so when i was in college uh, i think it was my junior year and uh my sister was a senior in high school and so she she decided uh she would do my sister decided she would do Thanksgiving and uh, she had her boyfriend who would soon to be husband first husband and, uh, so first thing my sister did is she made a turducken. Do you remember that? That great stuff? So it's, uh, it's a quail inside of a duck inside of a turkey. So you get white meat, dark meat, white meat. And, uh, I wish I had a picture of this thing. You know, phones weren't a thing back then, but, uh, it, it, i don 't think the duck and the quail agreed to this, um, and they certainly didn 't go willingly right <laughs> it was It was a horrendous explosion of meat parts and it just it was terrible uh, and you know the quail wasn 't cooked it was it was just terrible and Then I remember my sister made the cranberries, and she put cloves in them and uh, it was gross and my dad being my dad's assured me that it was actually his future son-in-law that had put marijuana in the uh, uh, so you know the, this is the way that the family meal is is going right it's just it's a disaster and then the, the top it all off my sister had completely lost her mind at this stage in life and she uh she was a witch and by that i mean uh she was a wiccan i mean she was a witch on a normal day but uh she she was an official witch so she decided to give the thanksgiving prayer oh my gosh so uh, I always wanted to turn this story into, uh, what was it, uh, Chevy Chase's National Lampoon. I mean, my, my family could have done it. So as crazy and bizarre as all it is, imagine that you're trying to understand Thanksgiving based on what I just described. Right? In order to have Thanksgiving, you need a turducken. You need marijuana and the cranberries, and you need a witch, right? That's that, that, that's Thanksgiving, right? And yet, we do the same thing when it comes to communion. We don't generally get the context of which it happened, and so we take what was unusual and strange. And make it the normative. Imagine I'm going to celebrate Thanksgiving with you. And so I'm going to give you a little square of turkey. And we're going to drink cranberry juice. And it's all very ritualized. I, the pastor, will consecrate the turkey. And behold, the cranberry juice is good for your kidneys. I mean... Uh, I I really want scripture to challenge us today that a lot of what we do in in communion, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, whatever we want to call it, is really kind of based on a lot of ignorance, Um, that we didn't, we're the adopted kid. Right. We don't get the story of where all this came from, what God was trying to do with it. So I want to be very, very clear. My goal is never, ever to make us Jewish. We're not Jewish. Uh, we, we, we're not meant to be. There's none of that. But we shouldn't be dumb Christians that just kind of make it up, turn it into rituals literally, for almost a thousand years now, Christians have argued, is it really the body and blood of Jesus Christ? Is it, you know, transubstantiation? Is it magic? And it turns into the blood of Jesus? Do you know what Jesus and the disciples would have said to that comment? Are are you eating the cranberries? Because you're nuts. Nobody's drinking blood. Nobody's eating a body. It's not magic. It's a very ancient festival that God created to prepare us for the sacrifice of the lamb. So I know, uh, Pastor C probably went through some of this with you, but let me do a quick review. Exodus chapter 12. This is way, way, way back in the time of Moses, when Passover is instituted, and God's laying out His uh, plan for this this festival for Passover, and then we'll see where it really leads to what we're talking about in Mark. So, Exodus chapter twelve, verse one: When the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt. The Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. Announce to the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for sacrifice, one animal, from each household. If a family is too small to eat a whole animal, then let them share with another family in the neighborhood. So first thing to notice, really, really significant, where does this happen? In the home. This is in stark contrast to most of the sacrifices that take place at the temple, where the priests are presiding and it is formalized. This is the responsibility of every family, every household. The dad, the granddad, the head of the house is the one responsible. So what's the first thing we do with communion? We put it in the church, right? And who's in charge of it? Yep. I mean, in some Christian traditions, this is the power of the priest. I have the magic that I can make. If I don't decide to give the magic to you, you don't get communion. What? It, it, you see what I mean that it, we're we're Terducken territory here um, this is where God said every family no matter where you are you need to do this you need to do this with your family uh, they'll say it twice and, and we sort of ran over it here uh, but God said this is an eternal command so it does not end Uh when God says eternity, he doesn't mean it, right? No, of course he does. He's not kidding. When he says this is permanent. So uh, everybody's supposed to get a, a lamb. You, There's no excuses. If you can't afford the white meat, right, you get the barbacoa, uh, you, you get the goat. Uh, the animal you must select must be a one-year-old male. Either a sheep or a goat with no defects, so uh, no clearance shopping, no defect. Right. Um, take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the fourteenth day of the first month. Then the whole assembly of Israel must slaughter the lamb or young goat at twilight. They are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides of the door, on the sides and the top of the door frames for the house. Where they will eat the animal. That same night, they must roast the meat over a fire and eat it along with bitter salad greens and bread made without yeast. Do not eat any of the raw eat meat, raw or boiled in water. The whole animal, including the head, legs, and internal organs, must be roasted over fire. Do not leave any of it until the next morning. Burn whatever is not eaten. These are your instructions for eating the meal. Be fully dressed, wear your sandals, carry your walking stick in your hands. Eat the meal with urgency, for this is the Lord's Passover. On the night I will pass the land of Egypt and strike down the firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign, marking the house where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. This is a day to remember each year from generation to generation. You must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. This is a law for all time. So, uh, we'll, we'll stop there. That's, that's the context for what we're, we're talking about in Mark. So we, of course, what are the two elements that we think of in communion? Yeah. And what's the focus in Exodus? What? The Lamb. In a sense, I think it would have been very obvious to the disciples what Jesus was talking about. He is the Passover lamb. In Revelation, (laughs) despite what you often see in memes and stuff, what is the most common depiction of Jesus? Hmm? Not at all. There's no description of Jesus on the cross in Revelation at all. A lamb. He's sort of mentioned one time as a lion and then the lion fades away and it becomes a lamb. But you watch a lot of Christian stuff and it's always the Lion of Judah. Here he comes. Like, uh, you, know, you don't get it. So just like the turducken and the, the cranberries, we pick up on the wine and the bread which are important. They were part of the Passover. The Lion King Oh yeah <laughs> it's it's a good movie, although I wouldn't hold my son up over a cliff right it's uh probably get a visit from uh, child protective services but so how do we? How do, how do we deal with all this? I mean, our tradition is what it is, and uh, I'm not advocating changing anything, but I am advocating that as disciples we grow and we understand and we're able to put this into context. It's it's this real understanding that the only thing that saves us is the blood of the Lamb, And so for thousands of years, God had sort of a pre-plan set up so that when Jesus had this meal, they would understand. He is the perfect, uh, flawless lamb that's being sacrificed. His blood, and again, we usually don't get the connection here. What does blood mean in Hebrew? Life. It's your soul. That's another way that they say soul. Uh, when they say, where is the soul in your body? You know, we, as Christians, get a little mastic, a little pagan. Well, there's this ghostly form that looks just like me and floats out of my body. You know actually where that comes from? Cartoons. <laughs> you know, that's like Tom and Jerry. Um, A Hebrew would say, "I, I know exactly where my soul is. I feel it. There's movement. Just like living water is the spirit moving in water. When I have a pulse... When there's bump, bump, bump in me, that's the spirit moving within me. Blood is the vessel of the soul. That's why when you, for life at least, you cut an animal's throat before you eat it. You let the life flow out of it. So, again, context, we, we get a little weird that, hey... We're, we're going to drink the blood. We're vampires. No. God is giving his soul for the sake of our soul to, to save us. We do have the three parts, the lamb, the blood, and the body. But the focal point is the lamb trying to cover the door, if you will, for who? Who? Steve talked about this last week who who is really the focal point of the yeah but let's but but who who specifically that that night say that again yeah look yeah. In in Mark, yeah, I, I probably should take us there. Um, let's look at Mark fourteen seventeen. Mark fourteen seventeen. In the evening. Jesus arrived with the twelve, so they are actually beginning Passover. As they were at the table eating, Jesus said, I'll tell you the truth, one of you eating with me here will betray me. And even at the end, Jesus is very much doing the rabbi thing, right? He's not pointing out who it is. He's asking questions. He's trying to get you to to stop and think, oh, wait, is it me? Greatly distressed, each ask in turn, am I the one? Which is a great question for us all to ask: Are we, are we the one that serves Christ? Are we the one covering our door with the blood, or are we the one that is betraying God for our own selfish ends? He replied, "It is the one, it is one of you twelve who is eating from this bowl with me, which would have been pretty much everybody." Um, for the son of man must die as the scriptures declared long ago but how terrible it will be for the one who betrays him it will be far better for that man if he had never been born so who's he talking to Judas the and it's interesting when we celebrate passover or we celebrate communion do we ever mention Judas no maybe we should Jesus did not create Judas just to be the bad guy just to be in a sense the fall guy to cause all of this to happen Jesus loved Judas why is Jesus doing this to get revenge to, to get a little preemptive uh, I hate you right that's why Jesus is doing it why is he telling Judas this another chance exactly dude you don't have to go down this road i'm telling you it will be bad for you if you do this don't don't do this it god's will will still happen god will still work through it but don't be part of making this happen jesus loves judas just like he loves all of us even if we've decided to betray him, get him killed. That's the power of this, right? The lamb is dying, not for the worthy, in a sense he is, but certainly very much the unworthy. Even in the 11th hour, Jesus is trying to save Judas. I think that's that's amazing. 22, as they were eating, Jesus took some of the bread and blessed it. Now, one of the things uh, we started last year uh, with uh, Chris Aycock's great uh, inspiration is we started uh, celebrating Passover together. And so uh, as much as I can say, again, I don't want us to become Jews, but Passover is Easter. Passover is communion. Sort of the biblical name for all of that is Passover. We made up communion. We made up the names um, Easter. Uh, it started with God's idea. All right, I'm going to teach you with animals. Because one day, eventually, my son will get here. And it's this understanding that unless you accept the soul of Christ. To let it cover you in a sense. Then you're going to end up like Judah or Judas. Uh, you're going to end up in a place that it had been better if you had never existed. So in the Passover, of course, um, there's several servings of bread and you, you bless the bread. Um, really, you bless God for the bread. Um, there are how many cups, Chris? Four. Yeah. And so here is the part where Jesus gets a little off uh, the script. Uh As they were eating, Jesus took some of the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body. What kind of bread was this? Unleavened bread. It was Hawaiian loaf because it tastes so good, right? So here's a little confession on my part. Uh, This Sunday we're celebrating uh, World Communion Sunday. Right, so this is an artifact that we've inherited from the United Methodist Church. And it started in the 1960s with the World Council of Churches. Do you remember that? So it was this hippie movement in the church that all oh, the church will just come together and we'll all be together. And really all it was was a bunch of mainline Protestants. And so they dreamed up this idea that everybody in the world takes communion At the same time. Well, it's not really true. Uh, again, uh, United Methodists, Presbyterians, and UCC are the only ones that ever did it. But we developed this sense of, oh, each ethnic group brings their bread. So the cute little Mexicans bring a tortilla. I mean, it's just, it's pandering nonsense. Uh, that, but, What kind of bread should we all bring?
1: Unleavened
0: Unleavened bread, matzah There's only one Jesus Yes, we all can have lots of breads And one of the things that we'll talk about on Sunday Is that the Bible is all about bread The Jews don't eat matzah except for a passover they have incredible breads so there's actually five festivals where god says hey let's have bread let's go crazy uh, from the challah bread which is very sweet honey bread with eggs i mean it just goes down the list but the one time that you're supposed to eat bread that are crackers is the time in which you remember the lamb because part of the Passover festival was you have unleavened bread. You remove as much sin from the equation as you can before you have to accept the lamb. Did Judas remove as much sin as he could? So you'll get when I say. Uh, Judas didn't want unleavened bread. Judas wanted sweet honey loaf bread right? he wanted a life that was sweet and easy full of sin uh, so yeah it, it, we, we can take communion with whatever we want but I think we have to remember it's it's that unleavened part it's us removing as much sin from our life as we're capable of not assuming that our life should be exactly the way we want it and then god should fix the problems it's 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 not really about bread right it's about the choices that you're making in this process so i've talked about this ad nauseum so I hope it sticks the word for bread is what life Life is bread, bread is life. And so they always make that uh, connection in Hebrew. Lachem is lechem. Bread is life, life is bread. Hence our um, give us this day our daily bread. So when Jesus says takes the bread and breaks it this is my body what, what is he saying? This is my life. I'm going to die for you. But we understood it to be magic bread, right? Dun, dun, dun. If a vampire ever attacks you, what do you do, right? Bring out the bread. Bring out the juice. Bring out the water. Um, these are symbols. These are uh, ideas that God has taught us literally for thousands of years so that we get it. Jesus is giving his life, his blood, his body for us. Just as you break the matzah, just as you kill the lamb, you burn the lamb, all of it's consumed. Now we're seeing that happen with a person. Now we're not eating Jesus. We're not burning Jesus. We're certainly torturing and killing him. But again, don't get lost in the the turducken. He took a cup of wine, and so this is the third cup, um, the cup of redemption. Uh, This is when uh, Israel is supposed to be delivered, uh, at least in terms of the the Passover liturgy. Uh, It's usually the time that they got excited because the Egyptians were defeated, and a lot of people would assume that Rome would now be the one defeated but he gave it to them and that was custom and they drank from it and then he said this is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and the people it is poured out as a sacrifice for many I tell you the truth I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it in the new kingdom drink it new in the kingdom of God so Chris do you want to explain that to us <laughs> he did a phenomenal job by the way uh, when we did that in April.
1: So the the Passover service has four cups of wine, and so he went. He'd already gone off script. He goes completely off script at this point because after the third cup of wine is when they sing the Great well and they drank the third cup of wine, they sang the well and then they left. They didn't finish the Passover. That's when they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus does his prayer, and his prayer is, "Take this cup from me." which is the fourth cup. So he did not finish his Passover right. until he was on the cross. And the last thing that Jesus did before he died was said, I thirst. And he was given wine. he gave him the Spirit. So the Passover for Jesus ended on the cross.
0: No, that's perfect. And honestly, guys, from the bottom of my heart... That, what you saw Chris do, is exactly what God calls us to do. Again, I don't care if we, I do care. Don't become Jewish. We can't. We shouldn't. You know, I don't really care that we celebrate Passover. I care that we understand the story. So that we don't just get lost in the images, but we get it. We understand the context of what God was doing. That it was on the cross, that he's completing Passover. He's fulfilling his role as the lamb that is dying for us. So that when we look at life and we think, oh, you know, I'm a screw-up like Judas. I really am. What I need is some magic bread. No, you don't need magic bread. That can be a symbol to help you get close to Jesus, but you need... To take Jesus and have him be the reason that you make your decisions. Or in this image, the blood of the Lamb covering your doorpost. But it's it's gotta be not tricks and gimmicks and traditions that we don't think about. It's gotta be a real decision that we make and, and we do. So let me stop for a second. Are we okay? Makes sense? Totally confused, scrambled eggs? that covenant word, that marriage for you, pretty significant. It is, yeah. <laughs> you know I'd, I'd I'd like to say it's in the old bread, but we had a riot on our hands when so we couldn't get the Hawaiian um, loaf bread. It's funny how we develop new traditions, right? But, yeah, we, we've gotten lazy. Um At all. Right, and it, that's why people like it. Well, it do you remember the Tic Tacs when you were kids? When you took communion, they get a little, uh, and it tasted terrible. It, but we wanted it easy, and uh, uh, so that—that's really it. Started the '80s that we changed it. We wanted bread that was tasted good. We read in Scripture that He took bread, and again, we knew no context of we did, but not popularly of. It's unleavened bread. And so we said, well, it can be any kind of bread. Why doesn't it, you know, somebody bake bread in church? And I, you know, please hear me clearly. I'm not advocating any change to what we do. It is what it is. But I want us to understand it. Um, we, we have to grow up. We have to, to to not just see the symbols. Again, I know I do this to death, but it's not turducken. Um, it's something different. the three class never made this connection before.
1: The classes class red where people are debating, you know, did Judas have free will? Did God cause Judas to do this so that the, the plan could be fulfilled? And see the fall guy and escape But that's actually, I'm saying it, it says completely the opposite. I mean, Jesus was giving him a chance to go. And he said, look, the Son of Man's going to go just as it's written. This is going to happen anyway. You don't have to do the Jesus."
0: Exactly. And that 's a powerful insight into our God I mean at the eleventh hour he 's willing to to help you it 's a thief on the cross moment, right you are not destined to be the bad guy you are not foreordained to be the fall guy. you always have a choice god 's will is going to be be done um, but you don 't want to be part of it not being done so yeah Jude, Judas isn 't just the scripted villain.
1: Kurt, so how did the Roman Catholics get to magic, literal body of Jesus' flesh? Is it just the Bill Clinton definition of the earth? they have been this way for 2,000 years, what was their reason for claiming that Peter told them him got a, it literally is? Flesh.
0: Okay, rule number one. We never quote Bill Clinton in a Bible study. <laughs> kidding. Um, That's a long, long answer. But the the short, ugly version is, and I, I would own this too, we were a bunch of pagans. And this is how pagans do it. That we take these magical kind of approaches. And that's what made sense to our mind. We were the adopted kid that went to war with the natural born kids. And so, so much of what they did, we didn't want to do. When, again, we should have learned the context and the meaning. I mean, guys, really, it's only been the last 40 years that we've sort of been at peace with the fact that Jesus was Jewish, that we always imagined somehow he left the Jewish. So, again, Priests in pagan Rome, you know, and we've sort of been through this before. What do you call the head of the temples in Rome? The Pontifus Maximus. What did we end up calling the head of the church? The Pontifus Maximus. I mean, so there, there was plenty of I don't know what this means, but I'll just add my culture into it. Uh, it it's a silly thing, but what do angels look like? People with wings. Because in pagan culture uh, an angelos, a messenger is a cupid so that's what the Bible says, angelos when the Bible actually describes ancient-